0: O oh my Lord, open for me my chest, and ease for me my task, and untie the knot from my tongue that they may understand my speech. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ya jama'een Rabbi shirah li sadarii wa yassir li amrii wa hlulu qudata min lisani yafqahu qawli Rabbi zidna assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi My beautiful sisters, welcome to another episode of the Women of Qur'an Now podcast, welcome. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم وقال الرسول يا رب إن قوم اتخذوا هذا القرآن مهجورا بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رَبِّ شرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسْرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَحْرُ الْأُقْلَةَ مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي All right, let's go into the translation of this ayah. And it says, And the Messenger has said, So, sallallahu alayhi wa O my Lord, indeed, my people have taken this quran as a thing abandoned so we are looking at jews 19 this week alhamdulillah i have been uh absent so i missed i believe i missed a week or maybe two i was sick and very congested and i didn't want to record with sniffles and coughing and blowing my nose. And so I decided to just take a break. But Alhamdulillah, we are back. Um, not, I'm not 100%, but I'm so much better. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, may Allah grant all of us uh, good health and bless us with an amazing Ramadan. Allahumma ameen. Allahumma salli wa salli ala Muhammad. So without further delay, let's go and dive into the explanation of this powerful ayah which is also very scary to me anyway and I want to bring you some of the notes I took from the Tafsir of Sister Taymiyyah and also from Ibn Kathir. So Sister Taymiyyah in her uh, in her class on this ayah she mentioned that there are two opinions about the word qawmi, qawmi meaning my people and one opinion is that uh Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasalam, is referring to the Quraysh. And uh, another opinion is that he's referring to the entire Ummah not just the Quraysh but the entire Ummah. So if it's the entire Ummah then it involves it includes us. Very much so, right? And and so she says there are different levels of abandoning the Quran and um and i'm you know my um take on this when we are studying something like this is to ask to be honest with ourselves and to ask ourselves individually you know in what way am i abandoning the quran instead of like thinking oh those quran they abandoned the quran or these people they're abandoning the quran i'm reading quran no in what in what way because Um, I teach, personally, me personally, I teach Qur'an, I read Qur'an, I memorize Qur'an, um, I revise Qur'an, I do all of that. I'm doing the of Qur'an. However, I know there are some ways I'm abandoning the Qur'an. And so, in what ways, when I ask myself the question, in what ways am I abandoning the Qur'an, then I can come up with a lot of ways, actually, I am doing that. And try to make Tawbah about it and, and, and try to, you know, ask for aid from Allah to to basically rectify um, the areas that I am weak in. And to improve my relationship. So it's, it, give, it gives me an action plan to improve my relationship with the Quran, bi So asking ourselves this question is going to be so much more helpful to us than to say, oh, but you know, I'm reading Quran. And we'll see in the tafsir that there's so many ways. And, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we can recognize ourselves at least at one of these levels. (sighs) Astaghfirullah. So, the Qur'an, we know from the sunnah that the Qur'an will witness for or against us. It will also intercede for the believers who spend time with it. We know from a hadith that is authentic, um, according to Albani uh, It's in the Musnad of uh, Imam Ahmed. <clears throat> it says Abdullah ibn Ammar reported The messenger of Allah Sallallahu said Fasting and the Quran Will intercede for the servant On the day of resurrection Fasting will say O oh Lord I prevented him from food and desires During the day So let me intercede for him the Quran will say, Oh Lord, I prevented him from sleeping during the night, so let me intercede for him. Thus they will both intercede for him. Because you guys know that the night when you pray the Hajj, when you pray Qiyamul, you know Qiyamul is like you it's long standing in the night. But what are you doing when you're standing? You're reciting the Quran. What are you doing when you are standing? You are reciting the Quran. You know, I have a, a coaching client and we were going over uh, <clears throat> how to prepare for a beautiful death And, you know, she said she was thinking about it And she's debating between being in sujood When she goes back to Allah Or standing in salah, reciting the Quran And um, I personally always thought of myself Being in sujood uh, with khushu, making dua to Allah But I see her point I never thought about it this way But her point is also very, uh, very good Because she's saying I'm going back to allah reciting the words of allah and you usually do that you don't do that in sujood because you cannot recite quran in sujood, but you do that when you're standing in salah <clears throat> so this is amazing right so the long recitation the long standing in salah goes is coupled with long recitation of the quran so um the quran pre- interceding because you you get up at night and you prayed and you recited quran for a long time standing at night so preventing you from sleeping and so the quran will intercede for you um on the day of judgment may allah make us among those people uh whom the quran and the fasting will intercede for allahumma ameen and i love what sataymia said in her in her class she said you know when you when you let's say you have so much to do because you're studying quran and you cannot go with friends you know it's okay, just think of how Quran could say, I prevent her from being with her friends, or you, you know, you you, cannot spend all day cooking because you wanna make sure you have some time for Quran. Then it would say, um, I, I prevent her from spending so much time on cooking, for instance, right? Um, or going out with friends. So the more time you spend with the Quran, the more valuable that time spent will be on the Day of Judgment, right? Because we, we know every second is not equal, right? A second that you spent studying the Quran, reciting the Quran, reflecting on the Quran, teaching the Quran, uh, memorizing the Quran, that second is far more valuable than a second that you spent, you know, chit-chatting or browsing the net or watching Netflix or, you know, arguing with this or, you know, like, it's not even comparable, right? Or cutting an onion or whatever that second that you spent with the speech of Allah is on another, it's like prime second, like a prime second, right? So, subhanAllah, I love how he brings the, 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 the value to the time spent. And so I, I, I benefited from that personally. Um, so now we are going to go to, um, to Ibn Kathir, okay? Ibn Kathir's explanation of this ayah. And he says that um, the idolaters, so my people deserve this Qur'an, is referring to the idolaters, so that he's using the opinion of the, like this is the Quraysh, because they will not listen to the Qur'an, as Allah says in Surah 41, Ayah 26 translation, and those who disbelieve say, listen not to this Qur'an and make noise in the midst of it. We have to be very careful that when Qur'an is being recited, that we're not talking over the Quran and let it be like a background, in the background and we're just chit-chatting and Quran is being, re- you know, being recited in the background. Like, the respect that we need to give Quran is that like when you, let's say you play Quran on YouTube, you put Quran on or somebody is reciting Quran near you, then it's like, really, if you have to speak, lower your voice. Lower your voice and really, like, don't make noise, but listen. Because there's the, because of this ayah, right? We don't want to be among the people who don't listen and then we make noise uh, in the midst of it. May Allah forgive us. So <clears throat> when Rasulullah would recite Quran to them, they would talk nonsense or speak about something else so that they would not hear it. So they intentionally did not want to hear the Quran. And so Ibn Kathir says, this is a form of rejecting and forsaking the Quran. And he, he gives different, different uh, levels. So let's let's go over them. So um, when you speak over it and you talk nonsense while it's being recited and you don't want to listen to it, it's a form of rejecting and forsaking it. When you don't believe in it, it's, the, it's a form of forsaking it. When you don't ponder its meanings and trying to understand it, right, it is uh, the same as forsaking it. Uh, as Ibn Kathir says. So now, we believe in it. Uh, we may be listening to it. Right? But if we do not ponder over the meaning, and we do not try to understand what the what it's saying, then we are abandoning the Quran at that level. SubhanAllah. So if we don't do tadabu, which is, you know, reflecting upon the meaning, pondering over its meaning, and we're not trying to understand the meaning, we're not trying to understand... You know what is Fatiha saying? What is uh, Surah Ikhlas saying? What is it about? Like we don't we don't try to understand what we recite in our Salah and, and when we recite Quran, and then we do not act about. Like let's say we do we do we do tadabbur and we we listen to it, but we don't try to. It becomes like a you know like just theory, academic. Like you're just sitting and studying, but you don't actually bring it to yourself and you don't listen. Um, you don't implement it like you listen to it but it's not reaching your heart it's not reaching your limbs there's no actions that come as a result of you um, listening to it or reciting it then this is a form of abandoning the Quran so when you do not act upon it and when you do not follow its commandments and you do not heed its prohibition it is the same as forsaking it and turning away from it in favor of poetry, let's say, you know, you love poetry and you spend most of your time on poetry, that time that you could be spending on Quran uh, or other words or songs or idle talk or some other way is the same as forsaken, forsaking it. So I see people say, oh, I, I, you know, I didn't have time to open my Quran. But I'm sure you had time to chit-chat with someone. I'm sure you had time to speak about You know dunya stuff so it's not a question that you didn't have time you did not intentionally prioritize your quran and that is painful to say um but that's the reality and let it be painful now so that it pushes you to do something about it than to um you know lie to yourself and then you're not you become comfortable and then you don't do anything about it uh, because there's no such thing as time like i tell that to my students i said you know our class is what 30 minutes a week at the most 45 minutes um if you tell me that you cannot find 30 minutes in 168 hours you cannot find 30 minutes for your class you cannot find 45 minutes for your class once a week, where you're able to learn how to be fluent in your Quran recitation because you're not fluent um, or you don't even know how to read, you're still over the letters, over the alphabet, and you're telling me you don't have, you don't, can't find that time. I would say it's not that you can't find that time, that's a lie that you're telling yourself. The reality is you have not seen the value yet in uh, making time for the Quran. And because you have not seen the value, you are doing everything else and then thinking, oh, if I have time, then I will look at it. But for a believer to be illiterate in the words of Allah, in the speech of Allah, to be illiterate with the book of Allah, it is blameworthy. It is not something that we should be comfortable with. As believers, we should not be comfortable with that. It should be painful and it should push us to rectify the situation, right? It really should, like honestly, SubhanAllah, may Allah Allah give us a tawfiq. I always say we can't do anything without the help of Allah. So the first thing is to really ask Allah to aid us, to really aid us in that. Okay, so um, those are the different levels that Ibn Kathir lists as far as um, abandoning um, the Quran. And then he ends his tafsir by saying again, like I said, we need to ask Allah for help. He says, we ask Allah the most generous, the bestower of bounty, the one who is able to do what he wills to keep us safe from doing that, meaning from abandoning the Quran, that which earns his wrath and to use us to do that which will earn his pleasure. I mean of preserving and understanding his book, following his commandments night and day in the manner which he loves and which pleases him, for he is generous and kind. So this is where we'll stop, sisters, for this Jews, uh, this powerful ayah. I pray that you benefited from it. And again, each one of us need to see what our relationship with the Quran is and how we can improve this relationship. We are approaching the month of Quran very fast. Like this is it's around the corner, right? And about 10, about 10 days, 11 days, we are entering the month of Ramadan. Have Quran goals for yourself and start working on those goals now. Start making time for Quran. Look at your schedule. When am I going to recite? When am I going to read? When am I going to ponder over this? Like, honestly, the month of Quran is a month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is a month of Quran. And we cannot have Quran witness against us in the month of Ramadan especially. Let's use the month of Ramadan uh, like this boot camp to uh, build the habit of getting closer to the speech of Allah. I pray that um, Allah make all of us women of Quran and that Quran witness for us and never against us. Allahumma salli wa Muhammad until another Jews and another ayah, another reflection. Subhanakallahu bhihamdik ashhhadu la ilaha illa anta staghfiruka wa atu ilayk as salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanahu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subhanahu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. He been